0: Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there this morning. Hopefully you caught our uh, little tribute to all the great advice that dads give us throughout the years. I remember a few uh, bits of advice that my dad would give me. One is, kind of, the first one's kind of like the, the macho dad thing where, you know, you tell your son so, something macho, you know, that kind of affects his life. He said, hey, you're never allowed to start a fight, but if you ever have to, you can finish it. You know, that was one of, the, one of the things that my dad taught me. is like, oh, yeah, tough, you know, teach you how to be a man, son. One of the other uh, pieces of advice that he gave me, or it wasn't really advice. It was just something he would, he would say, like, Dad, hey, do you have any tips for me? Like, maybe in how to do something, or do you have any life tips or anything? And he, he would say, always, like anytime somebody said something about a tip, he would say, I got a tip for you. Buy low, sell high. Which is a which is a good one. I mean, if you use that in in your life, that will that will go well for you. There was one other thing that he would say, and it it centered around friendship. And he said, he said, "Son, uh, you can pick your friends, and and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose." And those are those are just words to live by. You know, things that have impacted me deeply throughout my life. That have, like, I've never picked my friend's nose. I, Maybe I've had to pick my kid's nose a couple times, but that's a little bit, that's a little bit different Of course, the, the more meaningful moments with my dad or for, for you know good or maybe even for bad are not the the witticisms you know the piece of advice or the little wisdom you know things that he would he would share with me, but it was in the observation of how he lived his life, how he treated my mom, how he handled his work, how he handled his relationships with other people, what he did when there was a crisis, there was an emergency, whatever was going on, those are the things whether he handled them. Well or handled them poorly are the things that actually deeply impacted my life. Like those are the things that, for us as sons and daughters with our fathers, whatever our relationship with was with them, you know, impact us throughout our entire lives. They're the things that kind of get ingrained into the soil of our life. The things that affect how we're rooted and how we, uh, you know, interact with with things that happen. We have a whole idiom in the for you know, our culture that uh, that explains this. So we say if somebody reflects certain characteristics or they remind somebody, you know, somehow of their father, they say, well, they're just a chip off the old block. So we recognize like these things, the way that our fathers, and not just our fathers, but other people and circumstances impact us in our life. And one of the ways that Jesus talks about this, he analogizes, uh, he gives an analogy for how our lives uh, and the things that happen in our lives, the things we cultivate, those things impact how we respond to God's word or live at our faith. He uses the analogy of soil. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the parable of the soil in Mark chapter 4. So hopefully you have your Bibles already turned and open to that since, um, since uh, Adria mentioned that we'd be in Mark chapter 4. This is one of Jesus' most recognizable parables. Uh, In an agrarian society, Jesus would often use parables that dealt with agriculture. People knew what land cultivation was all about, all the things that derived from that and were connected to that. Jesus starts talking about farming or talks about seed or he talks about soil. And immediately people are thinking, yeah, I know exactly where he's headed with this. I get this because these are things that I interact with every day. and, And I know something about this. So Jesus has these huge crowds that are surrounding him. He's standing uh, by a lake, and he's about to teach. And so he gets in this boat with his disciples, rows a little bit away from the shore, kind of creating a natural amphitheater because uh, sound will will bounce off off the water in, in this scenario. And he starts off teaching. And this is kind of his introduction as he's teaching a bunch of parables. And this is what he says. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60. Some a hundred times. Now Jesus starts talking about this. You know the people are listening and think, "Man, ha- okay." He's about to start talking about what it looks like to produce a crop that produces thirty, sixty, or hundred times more than what you planted. Like this exponential production of of agricultural growth. This is where their ears would have been picked up, picking up here and listening to what Jesus had to say. And in verse nine, he says. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And at that point, they realize that Jesus is talking about planting corn. Because ears, like if you have ears. Come on. I mean, it's, it's Father's Day. You knew there was going to be a dad joke somewhere in the message, right? I mean, that, you, all right, there's just, I don't, I'm not sorry, by the way. I don't apologize for that at all. So Jesus is sharing this kind of introduction into the parable saying and as he's doing about this, this is what he's saying, because he goes through and, and explains uh, the parable to his disciples as they're sitting there uh, talking about it on the boat. And he's, basically, the picture that Jesus is giving here is that this farmer that's here, this is the one who is sharing the word of God. The seed is the word of God, and the soil is us like we're where are the hearers of the word of god and so jesus is going through like for for example in this scenario jesus is the farmer He's talking. He is God. So what he says is God's word. He's sharing that with the people. And the crowd, the people that are listening to this, they're the soil. In our scenario, we get to share the gospel of, of Jesus. Like we're called to be farmers, and we get to sow the seed of God's word as we're reading it and applying it in our life, sharing it with other people so they can, they can hear it. And what he's, what he's going to be talking about here is like, here are the scenarios in which people hear about the word of God. This is why this parable is about the soil. We've we got the farmers, we've got the seed, we've got the soil, because what soil the seed is planted in is one of the most important parts of hearing God's word and knowing it and doing it and living, living, living it out in our lives. And here, here's the deal. Being a hearer of God's word does not make us a listener of God's word. Being a hearer doesn't make us a listener. Now, some of you don't know that there's a difference between hearing and listening. I learned this lesson well from my dad. Because there were multiple, not that I was a, you know, not that I didn't obey my father or anything as, or never got in trouble. Yeah, I never got in trouble as a kid or anything like that. But my dad taught me that there's a distinct difference between hearing and listening. Because when I would get in trouble, what would he ask me is, why didn't you listen to what I told you to do? He didn't ask me if I heard him or not, because he knew I heard him. Like, there's nothing wrong with my ears. I, I heard the sounds and the words that he formed with his mouth. I just chose not to react to them the way that he expected me to. Like I didn't listen to him, so I disobeyed him. So he's like, "Hey, I you need to." Not that I ever got spanked or punished or anything like that, or, or no, know, know what a yardstick feels like across bare legs or anything, anything like that. Uh, but I, I learned the difference between hearing and listening when it came to my father. And so, Jesus is saying, "Whoever has," when he says, "Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear." Uh, the the phrase to hear in a Hebrew culture implied obedience like this is the reaction that we're supposed to have when we hear God's word spoken in our life is that we respond to it we react and obey um, what it says we all bring our own biases to the text of the Bible when when it comes like like if we were to do a just a simple survey across this church or across churches in America or whatever it was and we just asked people hey what's your interaction when it comes to knowing and reading and studying and living out God's word we have a broad spectrum of reactions to that for for you know, for, for good or for bad, that would be the reality in our churches, where we'd have people all the way from, hey, we should read and study the Bible and apply it as best we can every day, like we should be in, in the Word as much as possible, to eh, I might crack my Bible open this month at some point. We're, we're going to cross those spectrums, and in the midst of those spectrums, we see how, different, how differently God's Word is going to interact and affect and impact our lives as a result of that. Of course, you know there's certainly an expectation of understanding that comes along with listening. Like some some of the some of the reasons we don't listen to what God's word has to say is cuz we don't understand it. But what like what are you supposed to do when you don't understand something? Somebody said ask. That. No, you Google it, right? I mean, just Google has all that. No, yeah, you, you ask and you seek, you look for the answers. As Jesus has finished up all these parables and he's hanging out with his 12 closest followers in the boat, they ask him, he's like, Jesus, why, like, why, are you, why are you teaching in parables like this to the crowd? Well, what's the deal here? What, what's going on? And in verse 11, he tells them this. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. It's like, man, that's that's kind of a harsh quote there from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. You know, Jesus is basically saying, hey, you know, I'm going to tell just you 12 the insider information because we really want to keep everybody on the outside. Like, that, does that sound very Jesus-like? That's kind of strange. And the thing that Jesus is talking about, because let's, let's look like at history, right? Obviously, Jesus is not saying that no one outside of the 12 will ever come to follow and know Jesus. That obviously happens. There are people, not everybody in the crowds, but people came, even some of the religious teachers and, and leaders came and followed Jesus as a result of, of his teaching. But what he is saying is that this is what the effect of unbelief does when it comes to me being the Messiah that that like remember last week when we talked about the beginning of Mark chapter 3 where the religious leaders and teachers of the law had seen the supernatural effect of God's power working through Jesus and and their response to that was you know what we should do we should kill him like they immediately started plotting his death as a result of seeing Jesus healing other people and and when we don't believe who Jesus is like that puts us that, who he says he is, that puts us on the outside. And one of the things that was going on with Jesus as he was trying to teach and share in his ministry is he had people coming after him trying to kill him. If he went around telling everybody what he told the disciples, the religious leaders would have moved a little bit more quickly. Jesus' ministry would have been a lot shorter. And so one of the things that he shared with the, his disciples regularly is that, hey, at some point, I'm, I'm going to die for this. That I'm, I'm going to die, in, in fact, this is the the crux of what's going on here: is that I'm going to die, and I'm g- going to come back to life. Now, not even the disciples understood what Jesus was saying at this point in time, but the mystery of the kingdom, the secret of the kingdom that Jesus is sharing with his disciples, that soon became public for all to see and respond to, is his resurrection. That that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the hope of his resurrection is God's word, is the seed that will be planted that people decide whether or not to accept or reject in their lives. And so Jesus goes on to fully explain in the next several verses the spiritual truths that are represented in the parable of the soils in our life. People fall into four different categories as hearers of God's word. Either we are path soil, rocky soil, weedy soil, or good soil. Now farmers uh, in ancient Palestine, the way that they would cast seed as they would have a bag of seed at their side. They would reach in their hand and they would cast just as much seed as they could, generously covering everything in, in the field. They actually plowed after they cast the seed, so they weren't looking around and saying, "Hey, is this is this soil too weedy?" Like they weren't worried about that because it would get plowed under. They weren't looking under the topsoil to say, "Hey, is this too rocky?" You know, they weren't concerned about all those things. They were just trying to cover as much of the field as they could with seed to try to get the best crop that they could. Which, which I think is interesting, kind of as a as a side note. It's kind of that whole, "Why does Velocity have that first rule? No perfect people allowed?" Because we don't like we don't check your soil before you come in the door. Like, we're not looking to see, like, can you imagine? It's like, well, Rob is having a little bit of a rocky time in his life, and so I, I don't know that he's going to produce as much as, as he should, so we're, we're not going to spend the time and effort on him. Like, like that's, that's, not the, that's not the point that's being made here by Jesus, is that the seed, the word is meant for everyone, but you and I kind of have a choice in what we're cultivating in the soil in our life that affects and impacts how we allow God's word to change our life. And so the the farmer is casting the seed, and he says, some of the seed falls on the path. And some people are like that seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. You might say, well... Well, some people are like, all right, I mean, it's not their fault. Satan's doing, I mean, he's the one who's taking, taking away. There's not a chance for them to be, to be rooted in their life. And the, the, the reality is, like, as we talked about last week, Satan cannot impact the world the way that he wants to. Jesus has bound him. He, he's bound, but we have the choice as to whether or not we untie the ropes like, there, there are certain things that we choose whether or not to allow Satan's power to be at work in, the, in us, and, and one of the, the biggest things that Satan wants to accomplish is for us to immediately dismiss Jesus as the Messiah. Like, the Bible calls him the father of lies, and this is the lie that he desperately wants people to accept more than anything, is that Jesus is not Lord and Savior. And so you, you think about the hard-packed path that's along the field that the farmer walks and the and the family walks through. It's like concrete there, right? The, the seed can't get in because there's an immediate dismissal that there could be truth coming from Jesus. So this is this is the path. This is where this is where Satan wins because instead of instead of saying maybe there's something to this. About who Jesus is, the way that it 's affected culture and it 's affected society and history throughout world. like maybe there 's some questions I should be asking or, or seeking through this there 's an immediate like nah like, like there 's no way that this this is important or anything that I should pay attention to. One of the things that I would you know appeal to you for if if you 're like not sure whether or not you believe in who God is or who, who Jesus is if you 're not all in when it comes to Jesus or maybe you know somebody who who 's not Either like continue to search and seek and ask questions of people, or be willing to be the, that person that somebody can ask and, and walk alongside with that in, in your life. Don't dismiss people that you've categorized as path people because many of us in this room were, the, were, the, were path people before we came to know Jesus. Others, Jesus says, are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is the person who gets really excited about the idea of following Jesus and all the things that he represents, love, grace, mercy, peace, all of those kinds of things. And then they come to a part of God's word that they just can't reconcile with their life they're like man all these ideas and things about Jesus are great like i'm really excited about following him and that, wait wait a second i got to do what i wait wait i'm not supposed to i'm not supposed to cuss people out while i'm driving you know whatever the example is if you really like cussing people out while you're driving whatever you know whatever it might be that you want to hold on to that you can't just let go of just like man this 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 is not as advantageous as I wanted it to be in my life. There's some things that I want to hold on to that I really don't want to give up. That's the rocky soil, where we immediately come up against something that we don't want to get rid of in our life, and we allow God's Word to wither instead of ourselves to wither and trust in the hope of the resurrection in Jesus. If, if there's something about Jesus that makes you not believe in Him because He wants you to do something you want don't want to do, or because he wants you to stop something that you don't want to stop, then that belies a fundamental misunderstanding of who Jesus is and why he came and why God sent him to, to us. The The reason that we follow Christ is is not because we're doing what makes us feel better and what helps us to live a better or happier life. The reason is twofold. One, we follow God because he's God and we're not and two because when we change our unbelief to belief Jesus saves us from our sin that has separated us from God we receive a reward that we don't deserve and and so we get to we have the privilege of not that we have to and that we're forced to glorify God we get to and should want to respond to him by glorifying him with everything that we have we don't deserve anything that God gives us through Jesus If you don't feel the way that you think you should when it comes to following Jesus, it might not be because you're supposed to be feeling warm and fuzzy about doing hard things. It might be because you have a wrong idea of who God is, and you shouldn't be basing it on that feeling. There's one thing that is meant to keep us deeply rooted in the life that God has called us to, and that is the resurrection and the hope in that resurrection that Jesus has for us. Jesus warns that the very thing about God's Word that you and I might reject because we, we find it to be uncomfortable or, or not what we want is the very thing that will cause our faith to wither and die. Like Those are the things that we choose that cause us to move from belief to unbelief. Still others are like weedy soil. They're like seeds sown among thorns, Jesus says. They hear the Word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word make it making it unfruitful can we just recognize like as a room mostly full of adults that, that there are things that vie for our attention in this life that aren't good for us like that we get to choose to do as, as adults or as teenagers or what, whatever age you are in this room that that like we want to do and we enjoy doing but they, they're bad for us and we can recognize that and know that in our life that that the distractions that we have are life's worries, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of our own desires, and those things take away the effort and attention that we're supposed to have on God's Word where those things exist because of a corruption of good things. That if God's word is first and central and foremost in our life, like, like the, the worries that we have and the pursuit of wealth and the pursuit of desires, like they don't exist like they do for others because we're not concerned about those things. We're concerned about following God, and he will lead us away from those issues. If you've ever said, when it comes to God's word, yeah, I know I need to do that, but I just can't right now, you're like Floyd Mayweather in the Octagon with Conor McGregor. You're getting choked out. That's why he won't do it. That's why they're going to box instead of do MMA. And some of you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's fine. I, I, would, I mean, just to, just to be honest, I think if you look at the global church maybe even particularly the American church, on, a, on a, any given Sunday, most Christians in church this morning are in this category. Most of us struggle with these things, worry, money, what we want versus what God wants. And the, those are the things that hurt and damage and choke us out. But when we reject worry and wealth and our desires of our flesh, we become willing to fully love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To become fully willing to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's, it's why as a church that, you know, we have this open invitation for everyone to join in with this mission of helping people find Jesus and love God. Because what we want everyone to cultivate in this life is good soil. Jesus says, Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. You can tell good soil in your life by the fruit that it bears. the word of God when we hear it and when we listen to it, when we apply it into our lives, will never return empty. The greatest joy that you and I can experience this side of heaven is being part of producing a crop for the kingdom of God. The better your soil, the less you-focused your life becomes. The better your soil, the more eternal your perspective becomes. The better your soil, the more you turn from perspective of just living a life to living a legacy, a legacy that is on the foundation of Jesus and God's Word. And so what I'd love for you to do this week is, is maybe write down a couple questions to consider text them to yourself or whatever it'll do to, to cause you to remember it and, and think about this, is ask two questions. The first one is what kind of soil am I right now like what what is the soil that I'm in? The second one is what kind of soil am I cultivating what, what's the soil that I'm working toward and and simply being honest with yourself in that and, and deciding okay what's the next step I need to, to to take to pull the rocks out to dig up the rocks to pull the weeds to to break up the path a little bit to to put more nutrients into the good soil because all of us can move from the path and from the rocky soil and the weedy soil to good soil. All of us can move from good soil to better soil if we're willing to put in the time and the effort and the work into it to develop it because Jesus has changed so many of us with the truth of his kingdom. Ask, ask a Christ follower that knows you best or somebody that you respect the most and, and say, hey, this is kind of where I think I am with the soil thing. What, what do you think of, about where I am? And work on that together. You don't have to work your soil on your own. Here, here's the spiritual truth from this parable of the soils. If you want external results in your life, you have to make internal changes. You, are gonna, you and I are going to grow what we cultivate. If you've ever, I, I don't know if you've ever tried to like plant a garden in Virginia, um, at least for me, when I dig in my yard, I see this red stuff uh, under the grass. It's clay soil, and I don't know how much you know about farming, gardening, or anything, but clay is not necessarily the best thing to have a salad garden. You know, or to like canned salsa, or have a bunch of tomatoes, so you can make tomato sandwiches all summer with, uh, with just a little bit of mayonnaise on both slices of bread, salt and pepper. Make sure you toast toast the bread when you make, because that, all right, that, that's how you make a tomato sandwich. You guys know that, right? Which sounds amazing for the summer. Well, I can't, I can't have like this huge, awesome garden right now because of the soil that I have. So I started a compost pile. I've got a bunch of clumps of grass. I've got a bag of uh, cow stuff that's in there helping to break stuff down. We're taking out our eggshells and our little produce, you know, trash and stuff, putting it in there. And guess what? The compost is not ready. (laughs) Like I just started and it's not ready for me to put into the ground to do amazing things, you know, have an amazing garden this year. But what I do know is that at some point it will break down and all be exactly what it needs to be so I can have this amazing tomato sandwich garden. I think that's what I'll call it. It's just tomato sandwich garden because just do tomatoes. That's it. It takes time and effort, and one of the things that you're going to discover as, you, as you're faithful to God's Word is that there's not going to be this like immediate, everything in my life is amazing and, and it's perfect, but what I can tell you from experience and from observation is that if you put in the consistent time and effort and listening to God's Word in your life, you are going to cultivate a produce that is 30, 60, 100 times better than anything that you thought you could come up with on your own that you put the time and effort into developing your soil and understanding that we can pursue exponential fruit and that fruit is found in serving others and spreading the gospel in other people's lives, sharing the good news about Jesus, that that we can join in this continual daily improvement in our life that God calls us to. So I'm just going to leave you with three things to, uh, to do as a result of the answers to your questions this week. The first is this. If you want better external results when it comes to following God, align your heart with God's heart. Don't just hear his word, but listen to it. The second thing is actually align your life with God's word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. He is life. That's the life we're called to pursue and hold on to, the hope of the resurrection. And the third thing is align your effort with God's effort. That's growing the kingdom, sharing Jesus with others, and living out the faith that he has called us to live out. So every every week we at Velocity, we take communion together, and we do that because we recognize that this life is built on the foundation of one thing, and that's the secret of the kingdom that Jesus is trying to share with his disciples and is trying to make memorable for the people that are hearing this after he rises from the dead. Where, where they see things through a different lens because of the hope of the resurrection. They remember this parable that Jesus talked about the soil. And they said, okay, so th- this life is about something different. It's not just about the things that it can be accomplished here. But it's, it's about the things that are, are are to come. It's not a life that you and I deserve. But it's one that Jesus made possible by eradicating the effects of our sin. By, by being able enabling us to have better soil, to have actually good soil that God can do something with, that his Holy Spirit can move in and create an amazing crop for his kingdom. And so we celebrate, we take communion every Sunday at Velocity because that's the thing that we want to keep our hope centered on. That's the foundation, that's the thing that we pursue, and that's the thing that's going to develop the type of life that God wants for us as we follow and listen to his word. Let's let's pray as we celebrate communion together. God, we thank you for um, even though we don't deserve it, and and you've got a lot of work that you perform on our hearts and in our lives to make better soil that we can have something um, that that might be a pleasing offering to you. God, we we thank you for the privilege of being able to be a part of that. That we get to to be not only Experiencing the effects of your kingdom, but that we get to be a part of it and we get to share it and we get to spread it and we get to help it grow. God, thank you for allowing us that privilege and give us the, the courage to recognize where we need to clear rocks and where we need to pull weeds and where we need to break up the hardness of our hearts in our life. God, help us to not only accomplish that in our own lives, but to be a part of helping others as they're doing the same thing. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his living sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name, amen.